I'm sure that many of you are aware that there is a lot of talk and a lot of noise that is going around at the moment, and especially with what's going on here in New Zealand with our government, also globally with COVID-19 and this epidemic. And then, of course, there's all the recent elections in the US and some of the riots and some of the exposing that's coming out of that. And some say that all this talk is legitimate information. Some say it's all just history repeating itself, and some say it's all just a conspiracy theory. And I want to offer some perspective for us, especially for those of us as believers and as Christians. And I want to touch on this label conspiracy theory and both the distraction and destruction that it can cause, especially when we as Christians use it. Because there is a helpful way and an unhelpful way to navigate this time and to use such terms as conspiracy theory. And I want to begin by reminding us that this is a spiritual battle. There is a very real war going on, a spiritual war, and one that has been going on for generations. It is light versus darkness. It is the enemy's agenda against heaven's agenda, and we're in the middle of that. And we are vessels that will be used to influence either of those agendas. In fact, God said to Israel, choose you this day whom you will serve. And he also gave them the choice of life or death, and today we have that same choice. But if we don't understand that there is a spiritual element, then we won't understand that we have a part to play, that we have a choice in this, and more times than not, we will be an influence for darkness and unknowingly oppose the light. And so I want to remind us from the get-go that this is a spiritual battle. And there's a very real spiritual component that we must consider in this current climate. And because there is a spiritual element, we understand and know as Christians that God speaks to us by the Spirit. And many times that which is spiritual doesn't always have logical backing or facts, at least as far as the natural mind is concerned. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14, Paul says, A man without the Spirit does not accept the things of the Spirit, but considers them foolish. He cannot understand them because they're only spiritually discerned. In other words, the naturally minded man cannot comprehend the things of the Spirit because they're only spiritually discerned. And this is where Christians using the term conspiracy is very unhelpful and even destructive. Why? Because it doesn't leave any room for the Spirit. It doesn't leave any room for prophetic insight, and in many cases, it doesn't leave any room for the voice of God. And when we disregard information as conspiracy, we may also be disregarding prophetic insight. We may also be disregarding a word from the Spirit of God, and at worst, we may also be disregarding truth. Now, I get why we often disregard such information as conspiracy. Part of it is because we've seen the way that prophecy and spiritual things have been misused and abused, especially by us as Christians. And then we've seen the pain and the devastation that it's caused for many individuals and families. And so from a desire of not wanting to reproduce that same pain and devastation, we often try to silence prophecy and the things of the Spirit altogether. And I get that. But here's the thing. The correct response to misuse is not non-use, it's right use. You see, too often we're afraid of doing the counterfeit that we never do the real. And by doing so, we put a limit on what God might be trying to speak to us. Now, misuse isn't the only reason why we might use this label or such labels as conspiracy. Sometimes it's just genuine fear. Sometimes it's genuine disbelief. And sometimes it's just a disagreement in the information given. Or sometimes it's just like the naturally minded man, it cannot be accepted. And so it's easier to put a term in it like conspiracy because it makes it more easily disposable and makes it more easily disregarded. And so it becomes a very convenient label. And this is the point that I want to make. Don't be too quick to put a label conspiracy on something until you've heard from God on the matter. Why? Because you may be adding silence to the spirit. You may be adding silence to the voice of God. And at worst, you may be adding silence to truth. And by doing so, we unintentionally partner with darkness and we partner with the agenda of the enemy, all because we were too quick to label and disregard something that may have been the truth. In Second Chronicles chapter 36, verse 15, it says, God repeatedly sent his prophets to warn his people, for he had compassion on them. But these people mocked these messengers of God and despised their words. 
We also know that Jeremiah was beaten and imprisoned for his prophetic word, yet he was 100% correct. So don't be too quick to disregard something without getting a spiritual perspective on it first. And an example of this is with the use of aborted fetal tissue in many vaccines. For years, people who claimed this were labelled conspiracy theorists and accused of fear-mongering and propaganda until the father of modern vaccines, Stanley Plotkin, admitted under oath to doing such. And it was a nine-hour-long interview where, out of the horse's mouth, he admitted it himself. So again, don't be so quick to disregard something without getting a spiritual perspective on it first. Now, by that same token, don't be so open-minded that your brains fall out. Don't be blown to and fro by every wind of doctrine and opinion. Instead, be deliberate and intentional about hearing from the Spirit of God for yourself. Prioritize what the Spirit of God is saying amidst all this noise. Jesus said he would send us the Spirit of truth, and the Spirit of truth would lead us into all truth. So don't make decisions based only by natural means, but also don't be so foolishly gullible. Instead, consider the spiritual element most importantly, knowing that the Spirit of God is faithful to lead us into all truth. Now, I want to put a challenge to you guys here, to us as believers and as Christians. Let's say that all these so-called conspiracies are not conspiracy, but indeed fact. Let's say that these are actually warnings from the Spirit of God, and let's entertain the ideas that all this information going around is actually legitimate. Well, according to some of this information, the narrative might look like something like this. Our government has a communist agenda. They are slowly stripping away our freedoms under the guise of safety and kindness. This will include martial law, a controlling of your speech, a loss of your religious freedoms. They will implement forced vaccinations as a means for travel and exchange, and at any time they can uproot your children from you. Your democracy is gone, your freedom is no more, and you are now legally punished, maybe even killed, for preaching Jesus. You are under intense persecution. But amidst all of this, the gospel is furthering. Believers are totally devoted to Christ and their devotion and dependence has caused a massive awakening and a move of the Spirit. Hundreds and thousands of Kiwis, of Aussies, of people are now coming to Christ and Jesus is building his church amidst the persecution. Now here's my question. If losing your freedom and democracy meant hundreds and thousands of people coming to Christ, would you remain faithful to Jesus? Would he alone satisfy you? And would you lay down your life for him still? Because you see, everything that I've just shared with you is the reality for millions of Christians, both past and present. China and Iran, for example, are the fastest growing churches in the world right now. And guess what the common denominator is? Persecution. In Revelation, in the letters to the seven churches, there are only two churches that Jesus didn't critique. And one of those churches was the church of Smyrna. And what was the one attribute about them? They were under constant persecution. Are you willing to endure such persecution if it meant a furthering of the gospel? Are you willing to lose your freedom for the sake of Christ and his love for humanity? Are you willing to lose your democracy if it meant hundreds and thousands came to Christ? Because if you could see the power of the gospel that often bursts forth amidst persecution, like we see in China and like we see in Iran and like you see with the Church of Smyrna, would you elevate your perspective to an eternal one? Because that's exactly what I'm challenging you to do right now, to elevate your perspective to an eternal one. Because there is ugly on both sides of the camp. The so-called conspiracy theorists are attacking the so-called sheep for not being woke. And then the so-called sheep are attacking the so-called conspiracy theorists for being so whack. And I'm calling you to a higher ground, to a higher place that regardless of whether all this noise is true or false, conspiracy or correct, that come what may, I will still serve him, I will still love him, and I will still be satisfied in him alone. Why? Because Christ has already overcome the world. We are living from a position of victory and you have no idea how safe you really are in Christ. That even if I'm beaten, 
Even if I lose everything and even if I lose my life here, I'm alive forevermore in Him. I'm safe in His arms. And that's the higher and eternal perspective that I'm calling you to right now is to rise up. I'll leave you guys with three practicals that I want to share with you right now to help you gain that higher and eternal perspective. And the first one is intimacy. Intimacy. Get alone with Him and really get to know Him for yourself. It's not enough just to know about Him, but to really know Him. It's not enough just to know about the Scriptures. Even the Pharisees knew the Scriptures more than anybody, and yet they completely missed the Son of God when He stood in their midst. So that's the first one. Intimacy. Get alone with Him. Know Him. Develop the depth of intimacy and relationship. And I've got a podcast on that called The Key to All Growth Intimacy, so make sure to go back and listen to that one. So that's the first one. Intimacy. Secondly, play your part. Play your part. Don't make the mistake of listening to what I've just said and think we all just passively sit by and let whatever will be will be because that's not the case. We have a part to play. We have a responsibility to provide solutions to bring heaven on earth. And you see, for all the troubles in the world, there is a solution. And the best way to find that best solution is to ask God what your part looks like. And when you are doing your part, you're providing solutions. You are influencing the agenda of heaven and the kingdom of light. And for example, I believe my part is to speak, it's to inform, it's to use my voice. And there are things that I believe and know that God has shown me. And some of those things I have grace to speak about and some of those things I don't have the grace to speak about yet, but I'm doing my part. And here's the good news, guys. When you're doing your part, you can rest assured knowing that regardless of the external situation, whether you be in stillness or in storms, you are in the center of his will and you are providing solutions for the troubles in this world. So play your part. Ask God what that looks like for you personally and then play it. Thirdly and finally, don't compromise. Don't compromise your faith. Don't compromise your convictions. And don't compromise your part. As you do your part, you will be criticized and despised, just like the prophets throughout history. That's part of the reality of the spiritual war that we are in the middle of. And you'll have friends and family who misunderstand you and people even mock you behind your back. And I've experienced that for years. But because you understand who you are in Him, and when you understand that your part is a piece of the bigger picture of eternity, it keeps you bold in your faith and wars against compromise. When everything and everyone is trying to make you bow, whether it's bowing to fear, whether it's bowing to compromise, whether it's bowing to self-preservation, choose to stand tall like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Bow only to Christ. So again, those three things. Number one, get alone with him in intimacy and really get to know him. And as you're in that place of intimacy, number two, ask what your part looks like. What solutions are you providing to the world? And then as you play your part, refuse to compromise. That come what may, I will honor him, I will love him, and I will serve and bow to him alone. I'll leave you guys with three questions. The first one, what is my part to play? What part, what solution am I bringing to the world around me? Maybe I've known it and seen it before, or maybe I don't know it and I need to get alone in intimacy and figure it out. What is my part to play? And then begin playing it. Number two, am I compromising in any area? Am I compromising my faith? Am I compromising my convictions? Am I putting my light under a lampstand? Am I I shying away from conversations? Am I being silent? Maybe I need to speak up. Are there areas where I need to step up and speak up in my faith? Where am I compromising? Where do I need to step up? And number three, Who can I share this podcast with today? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for the absolute privilege that we have of knowing you. That from this place of intimacy, we can be part of the solutions. We can be part of the agenda of light and bringing heaven on earth and responding to your ability through us. I thank you for that. And I pray that you help us to rise in boldness and courage to be light, to be salt, to be the people that you've called us to be in this world. And if there are areas where we are hiding or shying away, would you give us that boldness, that courage? Help us to not compromise, to stand tall in those convictions and to really step out for the greater good of humanity. And I thank you that as we're doing it, as we play our part, 
that regardless of what may come in our nations and our in our world, that if any of these negatives do come to pass, whatever it might be, we can have total assurance and peace that we've found hope in you, that regardless of what happens to us here, we're alive forevermore in you. And we're so grateful for the hope, for the peace, for the reality of your life that is with us, regardless whether we be in stillness or storms, we're with you. And that's the greatest place we can ever be. And so we thank you, we love you, and we appreciate you. In Jesus' name, amen.